<coughs> Podcast Network Asia. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia Tech Podcast, on which we discuss all things Asia and all things tech. Today should be a great one, actually. Today I'm joined by Vika Sanand, the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at BotMinds, and Gokul Ganabadi, the founder and CEO of BotMinds. Guys, it's great to have you on the show. And before we jump into the main topics, let's get a bit of your backgrounds for context. And why don't we start with Gokul first? Hey, hello, Michael. Uh, great to be here. So yeah, I'm in the journey of, you know, uh, bot mines for the last uh, six years. Okay. Uh, driving uh, innovation in the regard space of document understanding AI. So before bot mines, close to 12 years, I was working with uh, you know, many uh, internet scale uh, BA applications or data platforms which give me deep insights about this space and uh, you know uh, i mean asked to ask to solve you know many times this document centric process automation so that's the starting point for bot mines but apart from that I, actually i'm a master's in physics gold medalist actually and you know uh, in a way uh, the physics and mathematics i learned helps to understand the vagaries of machine learning i will say I would think and, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, machine learning comes with uh, the heavy mathematics and uh, my uh, master's in physics certainly helps. And apart from that, I come from entrepreneurial background. This is my third business. But yeah, of course, first tech startup. So that's my that's about me. So overall, 20 years of close to 20 years of experience in the IT industry, but mostly, you know, running my own businesses. And well, uh, last decade or so it's mostly information retrieval document understanding got it and when you say you come from an entrepreneurial background is this this something that runs through your whole family or is this where you've kind of broken off and done stuff on your own uh, of course my uh, my father uh, as an entrepreneur himself and my close relatives and friends all uh, entrepreneurs and it's clear for me from my very early days i'm going to start my business i'm going to run my own but what What's going to be? I think I got more clarity for the over period of time, but yeah, it's it runs in the in the, in the family and my place always. I love this idea, and I'll get to Vikas in a second. But I did an episode with a gentleman from Australia, and he said to me when he was growing up, his parents said to him, "Don't ever worry about getting a job; just worry about having ideas." Totally. Yeah, exactly. I, I second that. Perfect. So, Vikas, why don't you give us a little bit of your background as well? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Michael. It's great to be on the show. Um, uh, this is Vikas. I've been in the industry for close to 25 years now. Started very early on a technical side as a programmer, writing code and building uh, information management systems for banks. And very, you know, soon moved into the services industry with the SIs like uh, HCL and Infosys. Worked for them about uh, 15 years. With them started, you know, running outsourcing operation, then moved to designing operations, and then moved to doing digital transformation on those operations. And roughly in 2015, pivoted towards automation completely, you know, uh, when I moved to a product division. Uh, and I've been in the RPA and AI space since on the sales and marketing side. As a founding member for, you know, Blue Prism India, setting up their Indian, you know, division here, looking at sales, business development, etc. And joined BotMinds in uh, 2020 as uh, VP Sales and Marketing for global operation. And it's been an uh, exciting journey so far. That's awesome. I love meeting people when they describe sort of their careers and their backgrounds. There's no way that it fits into my mental model of how old they are, <laughs> how much stuff they've already done. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
Really, really great stuff. And thank you both for joining. And I love the fact that because you started with like nomenclature and abbreviations, right? Because what I want to do is I want to start with getting some definitions out of the way. And why don't we start with you, Gokul? How would you define intelligent document processing part of this whole automation process? And then I want to get back to Vikas to get his opinion on this too. Oh, great. I mean, that's interesting because you to start with. So enterprises contains large uh, you know, amounts of data and like, you know, documents everywhere, right? So um, business critical in information are actually uh, buried in, you know, a lot of documents, large documents. You need way to extract those information and, that, you, know, you know, you have to process the document. That's what the, the term document processing. But you need intelligence, right? So it intelligence, it's always, uh, you know, with the uh, humans, right? So you need humans, uh, you know, to read and understand those documents and extract those business critical information to populate in your downstream system. That's the traditional way of doing. But how to do that, you know, using technology? So uh, people started with, uh, you know, simplest OCR and, you know, maybe some rule-based systems. And then they started calling that intelligent, intelligent OCR and, you know, uh, the pre-AI, um, uh, you know, intelligent document processing systems. So that's why I used to call, I mean, the, it's complete, I mean, understanding documents is kind of holy grail for AI, right? I mean, in, go to any enterprise, you will see, you know, 80% of information in documents. And if you want to automate a process in an enterprise, you are, anyway, you have to crack this, you know, document understanding. That means any AI that can read and understand is what the, you know, uh, the, the, what do say, the best AI possible for an enterprise. So to define what is IDP, what is intelligent document processing, basically, yeah, you know, the technology that can help you to process the documents, help you to extract the critical information, you know, buried inside the documents. That's what IDP. It started as OCR, it, you know, it extended further as, you know, intelligent OCR, ICR, and then now it is more document understanding AI, and it gets into the realm of cognitive AI. So that's the natural evolution in the IDP space. Got it. I remember, and I'm trying to remember how many years ago, but it was more than a couple of decades. It was probably two decades ago that we started doing a lot of OCR stuff. So optical character recognition at Morgan Stanley, and it just seemed like it was a gift from heaven. It just seemed like <laughs> yeah. a miracle. It wasn't perfect back then. I'm sure it's way better now. Of course, if you use AI to do it, I'm sure it's much better. But just the idea that like that was the beginning of this, just kind of wild for me. Because how about you, from your perspective, like how do you see this? And maybe a little bit more like, why is it important? And mm -hmm. how is it different from what most enterprises are doing now? Sure. Um, so in addition to what Gokul said, I think it's the key question is why is it important? Why now? Yeah. And it comes down to if we take a step back towards RPA, and I'm sure we'll get there as well. Yes. Really, I mean, RPA has been doing the automation part, but the lot of data within the organization is fundamentally unstructured. So RPA started with the fact that you will do a lot of automation with the structured data. But, you know, like, you know, I think Everest mentioned that is 80% of the data within the organization is about unstructured. And unstructured really is there's a document, there's an email, a variety of things, and there's no way to determine a value based on something written around it. It's like a conversation that we are having. Right. And because most of the automation in some way is kind of done to a certain extent, now they are come to a point that there's a big pile of information sitting with us now. Can we do something with it? And that's where, to your point on the OCR, was you had a physical document. Only if you could get this on an electronic way, right. it was magic. And that's literally what OCR was. Now I've got this electronic document here. Only if I could just have it summarized or extracted 
rather than me spending two, three hours on it. Only if I could just get 50% accuracy, 60% information extracted, that'll be magic. That's exactly what IDP really is. So for me, right, I like to simplify things. And either one of you can sort of jump in and answer this. But logistically, right, let's just simplify it down to like a two or three document universe. I get a document, you guys get a document, whatever it is. What happens to it now? If I'm implementing IDP, what happens to it? Right, Because I think in most people's minds, they're thinking, I just put it through the IDP scanner and then something magic happens in the back. What actually happens? How does it work? I like to take this. Maybe I'll... Please. What happens currently, right? It's more, you know, the limitation of uh, the technology available, you know, constraints you immediately, right? So you have documents. You said, you know, you have documents. Yep. But what kind of documents, uh, you know, technology can process efficiently, that's the first constraint comes into picture, right? If you, you see, I mean, a lot of players are talking about IDP or, you know, RPA vendors, or, you know, IDP players, but more and more, you'll see, you know, the examples of invoices, right? Okay, okay. here is an invoice, you know, go on and I can, you know, I, our IDP can extract information from invoices. Semi-structured documents are not the, not the correct representation of the document universe you have in the, in the enterprise. Right. So to answer your question, what happens to the document depends on the what kind of documents is whether it is an invoice or an annual report or a contract you are getting. Okay. So more and more you will see people talking about invoices because that's the uh, maturity of the IDP technology currently out there. Got it. So that's what Botmans wants to change. So why not try to attempt automating processes that has documents? You know, very high information intensive documents like contracts or an annual report yeah. or, a, or a conversational, you know, for example, because talked about the conversation transcript, right? A sales call transcript. So why not automate process with documents like that? So that means you need technology that can read and understand the document just like humans. So that's what, you know, bot, I mean, we uh, bot means, you know, always, you know, educate people, right? Go and find te- technology that can read and understand. Okay, so this is even more interesting. Can I can I jump in for a second? And either one of you can go for this as well. These sales transcript conversations, right, or even a contract. So I hadn't even thought about invoices. I mean, invoices, I think, because like you said, they're semi-structured. And for one company, all those invoices should look the same, hopefully, right? So you send out an invoice every month to somebody every week. It doesn't really matter. But if I have a sales call that runs through some sort of artificial intelligence that then turns it into a transcript. There's a trove, a treasure trove of information there. And again, if I have five salespeople, their voices are different. They may even be talking to the same client. But if I get all this data in, is it the case now that IDP, right, can then look at those documents and come up with some insights for me so that when I get onto the next sales call, even if I wasn't on the those first five calls, I can then understand what the problems, issues, whatever scenarios are for that particular salesperson. And then I can talk to them as if I were on that call or if I've read through all of those transcripts. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're suggesting? Exactly. That's how we are pushing the boundaries of IDP. So we strongly believe IDP is constrained to the notion of extracting information from invoices and the kind of forms at all. So what do you, if you want to truly automate process in your enterprises, you need an AI that can read and understand documents like contracts and transcripts. That's where the information, as you said, trusted true is. That's what you know you have to aim for. You have to automate processes that are information intensive or you know high value processes. Right? So that's that's core uh, capability of botmains that that's what possible with uh, uh, IDP, how we define. So IDP for botmains is a technology that can read and understand documents. It's not just extract information from 
structured and semi-structured uh, documents. Wow, is that available today? Of course, yes. That's what what <laughs> means you know powers uh, you know empowers uh, enterprises. So more, but let's just say again, we have these, and this changes the way I think about this, but let's say we have those three or four conversations right, with a particular client or even different clients, and I want to do some kind of comparison. In other words, what was the solution to this client's problem, and is it similar to this client's problem? And I don't have time to read through the transcript, but the bot minds actually can run through all this stuff and give me what the insights are, because maybe you can talk about this a little bit. Yeah. When it's all synthesized and comes to the end, can I look at those two things and say, wait a second, this is very similar to what we saw in Boston, but this is in Bangalore. We think we already know the solution. Let's propose that now because of all this data and insights that we have based on the analysis that's being done in an automated way. Is that fair? Mm, absolutely, Michael. There are a couple of things which are packed in there. I'm going to try and unpack that. Please do. Uh, first is the unstructured piece. Literally, we've got it right. This is like this conversation documented in the transcript is unstructured, Very. which literally means that we have spoken about, we've named some companies, we've, we've set some numbers, but there isn't any typical way or particular way in which it is organized or labored, which is what is there in invoices. Right. So a different conversation that somebody would have would may have the same thing. Okay, what's the company? What are the you know growth rates there? What is the revenue, et cetera, might be there. What we do in terms of the IDP and what IDP does really is that it can look at both of these documents and multiple documents. You can specify and say, hey, on this, you can do two things. Tell me what is good. Tell me what is bad. Tell me what's interesting. Tell me what's not. That's a general, you know, AI from a natural language perspective. You could also go ahead and say, you know, tell me where specific things about this organization, you discussed about acquisition, you discussed about growth. Mm. It could be anywhere. It could, you know, minute number one or minute number 71, doesn't really matter. So what IDP does uh, essentially is it has the ability to read through the entire document and extract wherever the things that you want to know and extract from document one, you can extract from document two, and then you can put them together and do whatever needs to be done there. Piece is the RPA piece or the IPA piece, but the extraction is the IDP. And then you do whatever automation that you want with that once you've got the structured data. Okay. So many things here. How does the technology know what's related and what's not related? In other words, how does it know that this was with company B, this was with company B, this was with company B, but then something else was with company X? And even if it were was with separate companies, how does it know that even those topics are related? Like what part of the technology or the algorithms or the maybe the machine learning stuff, how does it get trained so that it understands that? In other words, you would know as a human, you're like, yeah, that's a car, that's a car parts manufacturer. I get it. But how does the technology know? It's a good time to introduce about botminds, you know, the name of botmind. So it all comes from uh, the subject matter experts' minds. We capture the knowledge available in your mind and we convert that into bot. So bot minds is nothing but, you know, uh, bot speed and minds intelligence. So you talked about, you know, car part number, you know, the company name. You can extract or you can understand because you have that knowledge in your mind. And if you if you are given a you are given a tool to capture those knowledge, and convert I mean convert that into a bot or inject into a bot, you know that's what you are looking for. Okay, that's what you know that's how it happens. So basically, a bot minds comes with an interface to capture this knowledge available in subject matter experts. How basically you can define what information you want to you know extract from the transcript or contract or annual report, you can define one time setup. You can, you know, tell the system, basically teaching the AI or training the AI by just point and click activities. So, uh, you know, BotMinds comes with 
inbuilt teaching layer where you can you know just point and say hey this word is actually company name and this word is the revenue figure or this word is actually uh, the uh, you know whatever information you are looking for so you just do point and click activities teach the system our system learns and then that gets created as a model i mean idp model but is there a team of people of data scientists that are doing this or are we are we expecting frontline workers to be able to do this on their own i mean if you want to introduce this concept of no code right it sounds like if people are just clicking on things then someone isn't in the back writing php code or writing python code or doing some sort of data engineering how does this work for me who understands technology but may not be able to write code myself right am i going to be good at yeah. this is can anybody be good at this so i think this this begins if we take a step back here on why would you even want to do that right why yeah, like why wouldn't i just have a team of people that do that for me correct correct yeah. so why why i mean the no code low code point is is very good and i think that's something that came in a couple of years ago it has been running under the radar to kind of sort of no code but labeled as no code but not truly but the idea here is this there are two different organizations working in every organization organization number 1 is business organization number 2 is it IT runs at a different speed they have a years worth of projection they have the whole organization to manage business runs on the customer speed which is yesterday <laughs> right it's going to say so if the business says you know hey i need this automation it can you do it i was like absolutely Six months down the line, you'll have first prototype, and then we'll go from there. Business like no way. Can I just jump in for that. a second? Has yeah. agile has agile development changed that at all, or are you still talking about It waterfall has. style development? No, no, absolutely. Agile has definitely changed that, but at the same time, you have to have a team which sits with business with IT, and then that's a that's a separate entity that works. So agile development still happens with an automation as well. Right. But coming back to that point, why do you need people now? That's where the low code, no code importance came into play. Is that once IT has said, okay, you know what, this platform we have checked it, it's good. Whatever happens inside, it's like you got Microsoft Word, and you're like, hey, why do I need Microsoft Word? I would rather had a have an assistant or a stenographer to do that. And anytime I need to do something, I'll just say things out, and he or she will write it. Why bother writing? It's exactly the same thing. Got it. It changes the game. If you have that ability to do it yourself, you could do whatever you want at any given point of time. There is no dependency. There is no friction. So this is kind of like me never ever calling a travel agent anymore, in the sense that like, why do I need someone to book my airline tickets for me? Why do I? Why do, can't I just go into Saber directly myself? And the reality is, I can because someone's written an interface to it, whether it's Booking dot com or Airlines dot com or Kayak or whatever. They're basically accessing all the same data that a travel agent is, but someone has built a no-code interface for me, is what you're saying, to be able to do that myself. And what you're suggesting is that work is actually becoming the same way. I want to find out all the clients that have done this thing, and I want to find out the solutions to it. And if I click on this and click on that, and and identify like auto parts manufacturers, I'll get all these data and all these insights. That's what you're suggesting, right? And I want to go back a couple of uh, steps on what we discussed uh, earlier when you're talking about can I do all the things. So first, when we capture intelligence, we build models. So these are AI sophisticated AI models. Right. Uh, what these AI models do, and if it is jargon, it basically is just a you know an AI model. I think is a I wouldn't I wouldn't dumb it down to a logic. It's way beyond that, but it's basically a model there. Right. And what we do is that at any given point of time, anything that we Uh, that a human being knows how to do it in terms of a process. It's not steps. It's very important. RPA started with capturing human steps and then replicating it, which means if I do something correctly, it replicates that. If I do something badly, 
it replicates that. Right. This is not about it. This is about actually picking up what needs to be done in terms of identification. And the thing that Google was talking about in terms of highlight the company name and the part name, the platform that we have really already has gone through millions of learning, you know, you know, data points. It's already kind of ready. All that you're doing, and I want to point out this is very important. It did sound like we were talking in that this is a general purpose solution. You put anything, it'll give you a magically answer out. That's not the case. We build it specifically for a particular industry. So if you're talking about auto parts, the auto parts probably can't be just picked up and put in for company press release. It is a different entity. Eventually, you could just combine everything and say, throw on the document, it'll automatically tell. Got it. But from an IDP perspective, it's very important that we keep the context to a specific things there. So that I think is key here. Because what because uh, said is absolutely right. It's not like magic van, you know, available for all documents. What we have is, you know, pre-trained models, like lots of, I mean, that comes with, you know, millions of documents already processed. It understands the different uh, document layouts, different, you know, you know structures or the words and the, it, it, a lot of, you know, pre-trained language models what gives you the head start. But that's exactly why you can create your domain-specific model even with, within a day or you know, week. So when, when, when we say, you know, as a subject matter expert, you can train our system, you can teach our system to extract the information you're looking for, the speed of execution or the speed, speed at which you can get that AI model ready, it's very limited, like in a day or a week, you can get that ready. It's possible because of the pre-trained model we have already built over the years. Got it. Do you want to know how I collaborate with some of the best brands in the world at Asia Tech Podcast? I use Podmetrics. This is the best way to connect to your favorite brands and monetize your podcast. If you are a podcaster, you can sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the referral code Asia Tech Podcast, all one word, to get full control of your show's monetization, regardless of your show's size. And if you're a brand, and want to collaborate with the Asia Tech Podcast, head over to advertiser.podmetrics.co, it's spelled like it sounds, and sign up now. And one of the things that you mentioned was RPA, and I don't think we fully defined what robotic process automation is. Do you want to define that and maybe say why people start, why companies start with this first, as opposed to applying this artificial intelligence layer to it first to get to what you would call IPA, right? Intelligent process automation. Sure. Absolutely. And I think that's very important. Of course, people have been doing automation before our automation became RPA. Uh, This literally has been Excel macros that anybody who uses Microsoft Office has kind of done at some point of time. And then they get sophisticated over a period of time. And then you say, you know, hey, I could write a BB script behind it. That'll still be a macro. So RPA essentially is robotic process automation that essentially allows you to go ahead and automate a certain task. It very, very, very beginning of that a decade or so ago was literally looking at and monitoring the screen of what a human is doing and then do exactly the same steps, which means that if I'm not a good employee and I don't know my job very well and I take 10 minutes to do a five-minute job, the automation will take 10 minutes to do a five-minute job because it's actually replicating that. Then it became sophisticated on the saying, hey, instead of looking at a person, let's look at what job needs to get done. And then you automate on that job. That's where the automation, you know, came through. And like I mentioned, the automation starts with the smallest piece. And at this, you know, moment, 
RPA essentially can handle extremely complex tasks as well. And the complexity means it could have 200 steps or 2,000 steps, could have 10 documents or 10, uh, sorry, 10 applications or more. But it is limited to a fact in true definition of RPA. It is limited to a fact that it needs you to tell it what information is in a structured way, and then it gives you that defined output. It cannot go around, you cannot shove in a document and say, you know, do automation on that. It has no idea. It needs defined structured input. And that is where the extension or the addition of an AI, where the RPA scope was exposed, you know, ex uh, exhausted, is the AI's introduction to say, hey, can we read documents? Can we talk to applications? Can we do certain things from an AI span? And that's where the IPA, which is the Intelligent Process Automation, began, right? Gotcha. which is the combination. And then we get to the IDP there. And just tell me, right, because I've been out of the sort of corporate workforce for a while, but are employees really, in your experience, and either one of you, again, can answer this, but in your experiences, have you found that, is there a different type of employee that's getting hired? In other words, are people comfortable? I know we talked about this idea, this analogy of, you know, I book my own airline tickets, but this is more sophisticated mm. than that, right? I like to simplify yeah. things so people can understand the concept, but are employees really ready for this type of no-code environment? Are you seeing that kind of growing across the board? Yeah. So there's there's definitely a change in the type of employees that are being looked at. And I do, I, I have seen, you know, having been in this space for a while, I have seen that because the requirement of what the technology is required for you to do that job, there are people who are kind of getting ready before they get into the job market to be right. able to understand and do that activity. So yeah. Right. Traditionally, the people who have not really interacted and they don't want to do stuff, the example that you had mentioned earlier, are kind of already in senior positions at the moment because they've been behind that technology curve there. But the latest point, you're looking at the fact that, okay, there is an availability because the job is so tied to what needs to be done. And I don't think this needs to be unpacked just lightly that when we say anybody can do it, the organization are not literally looking at all those 300 people to just randomly do that. Right, right, right. Within that is still a set which is authorized to do this, and the other people are still doing what needs to be done based on the automation written by a certain set of people. Okay. And Gokul, maybe you can go through this again for me in a little bit more detail, unless you want to add something on to what um, Vikas was just saying. But I understand this concept of these pre-built models, right? And if, if they're pre-built for a specific vertical or a specific application, that makes sense to me. But again, in your experience, is it easy enough to use the tools that BotMinds has created to create new models from scratch for even for the people that Vikas was just talking about? Yeah, I can connect both of us together now. Please. The people, I mean, to whom this platform built, actually, keeping in uh, mind, I mean, we built this platform for the subject matter experts or the domain, I mean, the actual end users uh, in the enterprises right. who are doing the task currently. So it's not like, you know, you need uh, any uh, special skills to use a Botman's platform. It, a fifth grader can use the platform, just point and click, nothing else. Okay. So you're doing, uh, let's say, uh, in an enterprise, as because said, 300 people doing the, the data entry, they're capturing information from the PDF document, they're populating in Excel. The same thing, you don't have to do that manually, no copy-paste, instead of that point and click in Botman's platform, nothing else, no change. Okay, so that's the that's how you know intuitive is easy is to develop the AI models. That's critical because you know you talked about the the kind of skills coming in or who can develop AI model all those stuff. People, I mean, the different vendors are different. Of your players are advocating terms like uh, you know citizen development all those stuff, right? Right. So it's it's more about I mean it's 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 in my view at least 
it's like solving from the other end uh, enabling uh, developers to go on you know solve uh, enterprise business processes by giving them you know easy way to uh, code or you know low code or you know drag and drop kind of thing that's the that's solving uh, from uh, backwards but what we have to truly do is basically empower the subject matter experts directly you know you are doing this but don't worry about all the technology instead of copy paste do that point and click uh, all the you know ai model will get developed or process automation will get uh, developed for you so that it's coming uh, you know uh, we are coming basically from the other end basically we are empowering the subject matter experts directly okay yeah can i give you because it looks like you want to say something. Yeah, just back and forth on this part itself. Please. That's okay. I think on the citizen developer, it's an important point for it to be to be discussed here and why it's kind of important. Go ahead. It is. I had two th- thoughts in mind. One is philosophical view of looking at it. I'm going to skip that for a minute. I'm going to go to the one that people kind of know about, and that's let's say Google. So Google, everybody knows that they have like a 20% time to do them their personal projects. Yes. Right? That's something that everybody knows. So when you do the automation, one of the first challenge that any organization has is, okay, great, we want to do it. Where do we start from? Which is the right thing. A lot of organizations get started from, okay, what is the biggest bang of the buck? And that is usually the most difficult one, which takes the most long time and people kind of phase out. Right. Some people start from the simplest one, say, hey, anybody could do it by automation. So the key important thing is to be able to identify. Once you've started, once you've identified a couple of them, then you need to churn that machinery to be able to get the candidates on a regular basis. And that is where empowering every single person in your organization to make a difference in the way they work to, through automation brings a drastic amount of change because that could be something that nobody else has seen it and somebody's done is like you know what that saves 20 30 40 whatever percentage of of work and then that rises to the top as a large project so that is only possible when you have no code kind of capability that's available can i I just want to jump in for a second again i want to make sure that i understand what you're suggesting and i think you're right actually Basically, what you're saying is if you expose these tools to just a select few people that completely understand not just artificial intelligence, but machine learning and all this and and can understand the back end code, then you're going to take away the potential power and knowledge of the rest of whatever your organization is, because you don't know who has the best ideas. And there may be somebody who's literally at their desk just tinkering and going, wait a second, I have access to these tools and all this data. Let me muck around with this a little bit. I know there are some built models. Maybe I can build my own model. I have an idea. And maybe I can come up with insights that no one's thought of because they're not looking at it from my perspective. Exactly. And if I can do that, then maybe I can engender 20% more growth or 15% higher NPS scores or whatever it is. Is that what you're saying? Because that's kind of cool, actually. Absolutely. 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 And this may just be from a selfish individual standpoint. Hey, I don't have to work all eight hours. I can just get somebody to do my work. But yeah, that's the absolute fundamental point here very very critical you know um, point i mean easily overlooked by many players in the in the in the space see empower the subject matter expert to develop the automation they deserve they want and more importantly the moment you take it away from them and ask someone else to develop they are actually automating how it is currently done yeah, exactly. If the currently how it is done is actually with the limitations of the technology. The people are doing in the one, two, three step because the technology is not there. And the someone comes from outside and then they're looking at the bloated process or you know inefficient way of doing things and then they're automating it. But you empower the subject matter expert. They know how you know what's uh, what should be done, what should be extracted, or what should be processed. And then you know if you empower them, 
they will give you beautiful you know efficient elegant solution so that's critical uh, piece of yes. information i want to get so i'm thinking of a situation and again tell me where i get this wrong but i'm thinking of a situation at like a venture capital firm and there's a junior analyst who's making some kind of presentation about a particular company in which they think the vc firm should invest and the partners and the general partners just think this is a te- this company is a terrible idea even though the team is really good they just think maybe this is a terrible idea so that this junior analyst goes back takes these tools that you've developed and does a massive analysis on what has succeeded in the past or why they think why she thinks this one will succeed and could build an analytical model based on all the data that they've accumulated whether it's conversations or physical data or financial projections all this stuff and then bring it back to the partners and say well you may not think this is good but everything else we've done that's been successful fits into this category we should definitely make this investment then they make the investment it turns into a billion dollar company this is really transformational for the way that it empowers employees who may or may not have the ability to make those decisions but can then sort of offload those decisions onto the technology to make the argument that they think is true anyway is that also fair absolutely actually you know what botminds currently used for this kind of scenario <laughs> <laughs> so investment research you know the fundamental analysis of you know companies and you know going through analyst reports and uh, 10k filings annual reports earning call transcripts so as a uh, financial analyst you have to score through thousands of pages to build up a model right and uh, that's uh, you know made efficient i mean basically we empowering directly the uh, financial analyst to do this kind of uh, analysis okay that's awesome i want to ask as well like we talk about all this the power that computers have right has the exponential increase in compute power plus the decrease in storage costs and i would also add in the kind of ubiquity of cloud computing how has it changed the way that enterprises can take advantage of both idp and ipa yeah it it basically uh, two things you know it opens up opportunity to create more and more powerful models because you know we are talking about deep learning and you know data processing at large scale so the cloud as well as you know a compute power enables that we can you know develop insane what to say powerful models with uh, billions of parameters kind of stuff so that's one okay the second one is it's truly democratizes actually uh, it's not only for the big guys right it, the the power of what to say uh, deep learning and uh, the latest breakthroughs in nlp it's not only for the big guys you know the uh, you know any any enterprise medium to large if they want to uh, leverage the latest breakthroughs because it's uh, scalable because it's you know you can run to the level you want it's basically democratizes it opens up opportunity for all the players it's it's a level playing field in a way so that's the two things that happen because of this got it because you're shaking your head do you want to add something to that yeah no, so definitely i think being on cloud of course adds the ability to scale and that's where the computation power comes into play instead of running it on prem and a right. uh, very important point that google mentioned that it just allows a lot of players every single type of organization big or small to start at least experiment if not adopt completely to start experimenting with it to give it a try yeah i'm just thinking about how can i use this for my business like i can't get out of my head the 600 or so conversations that i have that have been recorded and all of the information that's embedded in the trend in this sort of virtual transcripts that i have 
And then the ability to extract that information and just learn from all of the entrepreneurs, all of the investors that have kind of been through the platform. I can't stop thinking about it as we're having this conversation. I want to jump back to one other thing before I let you go, because I, I forgot to ask earlier, when you go to talk to enterprises about this, large or small, do you think that there's still a misunderstanding about the data in the sense that they may say, well, we haven't been adequately accumulating data for the past 10 years, so we're starting from scratch. But you mentioned kind of in passing that the models are built with existing data already so that there's maybe publicly available data or data that you've accumulated on your own that you can load in to then build some insights from there. Do you think most people understand that or do you think they feel like if they haven't been doing this for 10 years that when they start on day one, they have nothing? Yeah, so there is a misconception, you know, lack of awareness. The moment, you know, we are talking about deep learning, uh, you know, AI, you need lots and lots of data. And uh, yeah, you know, we, we processed, we are not captured all those things, so we cannot uh, get, uh, no, we cannot make use of these uh, technologies. Right. But that's a you know, important piece of information. We, you know, uh, we continue to, I mean, educate our customers or, right. and our prospects. You don't need that kind of data. You know, with latest technologies available, it's it's a matter of hundreds. You know, it, it's it's uh, we reduce the order. I mean, the, when I say we, the, the the latest breakthroughs in the research, you know, uh, reduce that order of magnitude from you know hundred thousands to literally hundreds. Right? So that's what the breakthrough happened in the last uh, few years in the intersection of deep learning and NLP. So what you can achieve in your enterprise with the limited data is you know you know phenomenal. I mean, something like. Uh, you can get that model literally with uh, hundreds of documents. Okay, so that's one kind of misconception. The other misconception is there are a lot of data. I mean, they don't even aware that there is, for example, a lot of email communication happening in the enterprise. Yep. Lots and lots of attachment, and you know they are not even thought about you know uh, extracting insights or business critical information from those. And further. Actually, we, I mean, Vikas can talk about more because uh, the dog zone and a data zone kind of thing, lots and lots of data in the enterprise within the reach where, you know, they can, you know, make use of further benefit of business. They're not doing because they're not even aware there is a technology now to uh, do that for them. Right. Okay. Hmm. So that's another misconception. Yeah. Got it. Because Absolutely. So there is, of course, I mean, just to uh, unpack what Kokul mentioned uh, on the zone perspective, there is, there are four, and it's very clear in terms of big data, zones are very, very clear. But a lot of people operate on the data that they know and the process that they can they can handle. Right. The data that they know, but they know that they cannot handle. The data that they do not know and they can't handle. And the 50% pieces, I have no idea whether it is there or can I look at it or whatever else the case may be. So technology like an IDP can basically unlock and unpack that entire black dark zone where you can extract the information. And I want to make sure that we are on point with the IDP here. So IDP starts with a document. It doesn't start with any other media per se. So it has to have a document. You have to have a document. It can be physical document that can convert to a scan any type of document, image, doesn't really matter. Right. And what it gives you at the end is structured data yep. that you can put into any tool or then start RPA and do your analysis and get insights and all that stuff. So that the defined definition within which IDP you know, essentially operates. And whenever we talk about AI, two things. One is assumption that I need 
I really need, like you said, 10 years worth of data. No, you don't need that. Right. But if I don't need it and if I have to rely on your data, then there is a bias that comes into and that's a completely different topic for AI. And we're talking on the fact that, you know, our AI that we, you know, offer as part of our platform is a transparent AI, which means that at any given point of time, you can see where the learning has come from, what the accuracy looks like. It is not a black box, which is basically the understanding that everybody has. So once you do the training and it is giving you accurate results, you know why. You know if why. it is not giving you results, you know why. And you can go down to that granular level in two clicks and fix it. Right. So that's the key when it comes down to AI platform. Got it. So one Another point I think I missed covering here is the end-to-end -end automation, right? So we talked at length about IDP or document understanding AI, but what minds is actually unify. I mean, we bring that unification. Not only IDP, it's also about IPA, the end-to-end -end automation. So you know, yes, we have technology to read and understand documents. That's where we started. But when we started working with enterprises, what we learned is they're even struggling about bringing the documents or you know in or you know. Uh, Taking that processed output or structured data to the you know next level downstream system, bringing that uh, subject matter experts to come and work in a different you know stages. You need lot other things around that IDP. For sure. So what we got, I mean, we over the years what we developed is all the components as a building blocks. So it's just like Lego Lego blocks. You can connect it all together. You can create end to end you know automation. That's what we made. Now that's how you know it's easy for enterprises to get end to end automation, not just I mean IDP. Got it. Right from that document intake to processing it, giving it to subject matter experts to verify and get that in the format you want and posting it in the downstream system, and everything possible with Botmines without worrying about technology or coding. Okay, I mean, that sounds like a great way to end, guys. This was awesome, <laughs> really awesome. We're definitely going to have to have you back on. I mean, I think we introduced five other topics. We could do another hour on each one of them. I really want to thank both of you for doing this. Vika Sanand, Vice President Sales and Marketing at Botmines, and Gokul Ganabadi, the founder and the CEO of Botmines. This was awesome. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me here. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>